Welcome, listeners. The time for an awakening on Black Talk Radio Network. New media for the new millennia. This is history and the current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4 6 states, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. But we as a people, can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. With all thy getting, get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abb2me.com forward slash time for an awakening. That's A-B-I. B-I-T-U-M-I forward slash time for an awakening and the live stream is playing there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And in that TuneIn search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream your program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with a fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is there. Always follow the latest podcast of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB2Me. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.08 in the city of Philadelphia on this uh, chilly Sunday evening, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening radio program. Tonight, uh, we're in open forum. Anything that's on your mind, you can give us a call. We'll talk about it, and you can reach the program by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and and our enemies. Everybody is here. 
You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 2444 that number is 215-885-2444 215-885-2444 all insurance incorporated Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m., for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. 
Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 712 here in the city of Philadelphia on the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia, 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm a little, little foggy or, or confused or, you know, just dealing with... Uh, being an African and black person in America and living in Philadelphia for right now, it's it's just uh, I'm I'm having a, I'm having one of those moments, you know, Helen. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> What's yeah going- it, it, it was it was it's 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 interesting and it's and it's good. I was um, as you know we we were um, amongst some um, uh, young people, you know, this this early this weekend and. And and I was really impressed in in their um, in their not just conversations but their expression of of you know their what they see in Philadelphia is the challenges you know you know they've been making this thing about the, the gun violence but um, the broader concern of of just you know being black in Philadelphia and and looking and listening to a, a generation coming up you know. Um, you know, you always tell us to, you know, how important it is to listen and to be engaged in this intergenerational conversation with um, um, with those that are are coming up with, you know, quote unquote, young people. And I was really impressed, you know, um, on what I heard and um, and 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 how they were thinking um, from a perspective of not just uh, their their individual challenge, but the challenge of us as a people and looking at Philadelphia. And, you know, Ellie, it, it made me as I was um, trying to prepare, you know, um, a thought around, you know, being in open form and knowing that, you know, our conversations can go anywhere based off of the, the, the guests, which is, you know, those in the audience that can bring up any topics. Um, it made me think about um, this, this, tour I'm doing because I'm, I'm getting ready to do a tour on um, black folks in, in relationship to Ben Franklin. And I'm asking um, myself as I'm, you know, trying to put the narrative, you know, this, um, and Dr. Carr really helped. Hello from Switzerland. Canada, actually. And we know that the world's best roasters use a Swiss water process. That's us. Other roasters use solvents, aka chemicals, to remove the caffeine. But you there, Richard? Uses only water to remove caffeine. So your fourth cup tastes just as good as your first. Yeah, it's caffeine perfection. I think that's on your end. I know. It's just great decaf. Ready to try delicious decaf? You still there, Richard? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I was. Um, I read this quote from um, Ben Franklin. Well, my my thought was um, asking the question: What are we in relationship to each other, and what are we in relationship to the other? And I seen this quote that came out of 1751 that Franklin, in his observation concerning the increase of mankind, he said, "Why increase the sons of Africa by planting them in America, where we have no fair." Uh, opportunity by um, excluding all blacks and tawny of increasing the lovely white and red. Um, it's, 
I don't know if, if people, um, if you picked that up, but to me, he was saying, you know, Ben was saying, look, this is a white nation. And why bring in black folks? And I think that that's what I heard. In- Hello from Switzerland. Canada, oh, actually. And we know that the world's best roasters use a Swiss water process. That's us. Other roasters use solvents. AKA chemicals. To remove the caffeine. But the Swiss I water process. Uh, use it. Other audio streaming in there. Okay. So, and, and so my, my that was my that was my um, my initial thought, which brought me to this article um, about the. Um, it was a commentary about the infrastructure bill, um, where it says Philly is forty four percent black. Yet our co- Hello from Switzerland. Canada, yeah. actually. And we know that the world's best roasters you know use a Swiss. Whatever that is, you might have to shut that down. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to close everything out. Uh, which made me close that because I don't know where that's coming from. Um We were saying 44% of the um, black Philadelphia is black, but it only has um, 12% of the black businesses in it. And the concern was that the money coming in for the um, infrastructure bill might not get to black Philadelphians. That's, that's the initial point that I wanted to bring up until I find that article that, um, um, which was, kind of he elaborated on and i have to go to have to go to that so that was that's that was you know and reading franklin saying this is a white country and then hearing the commentary in 2021 and the money that's supposed to come down and it's still um not going to go to you know black folks is not going to be able to receive it in the it just um spoke to me that how much it, this is a white man's country. That's, that's the thought for right now. Well, I mean, yeah, it was, yeah, it was set up on that basis. It's kind of, you know, Richard, um, it's so many things happened this week. They had the press conference on Wednesday announcing the, um, the anniversary of the 50th, um, the black political political convention of 72. Right. And they're going to recreate that, uh, next spring and, uh, bringing minds together to try to move things forward and pick up the baton, so to speak. Um, Ros Baraka, and also Chokwe Antalamuma was involved and they're, they're some of the major architects along with uh, brother uh, Bashir Muhammad that was on the program there up in Newark uh, and they had a press conference uh, on Wednesday and some of the things that Raz Baraka was mentioning kind of mirrors what you were saying about the way this country was set up but the way some black folks feel in reference to the country. 
um, mm. and moving forward, the debate that's going to be among our people. And, and, and that's all I'm concerned about because Raz Baraka alluded to the statements made by um, Paul Robeson. Uh, I think when he was on the, uh, that uh, Un-American that Committee on Un-American Activities or something like that, and when he was questioned by Congress, right, and one of the racist Congress asked him, "Why don't he go back to uh, where he was from or to his country?" Mm-hmm. And he made a statement about uh, my ancestors were slaves here, and I, you know, I got just much right to be here as you do. Um. And our people feel that way. A lot of our people feel that way. Right. Um, but that that has really little to do with how we should operate as a people being here. If you understand what I'm saying, Richard. Absolutely. Definitely. We don't have to operate as if we're black people that have a European mind or European mindset. I mean, we're here and we can operate as if we're here, but we have to have a global perspective on our purpose here, why we're here, who we're here with, and our objective to being here, what we should be accomplishing being here. Um, it, it, can, can, it can kind of go in a lot of different directions. They had a joint conference this week, Richard. And it, I'm just, I made mention of the, the press conference uh, announcing the uh, the remembrance of the Black Political Convention. Right. But shifted to this week. They had a joint statement and conference released about the Ukraine. Uh, and I always forget his name. The Joint Chief of Staff or the, the Black... Uh, oh, Ken- the um, yeah, I can't think of it. Yeah. He made some statements there in reference to, or I guess, representing the United States. And it was a joint statement put out in September about the Ukraine because they said that Russia is uh, massing troops at their border, at the border of Ukraine. And they fear some type of uh, intervention. Uh, Let me read a couple of uh, lines of this joint statement, Richard, and see if you see something in it kind of mirroring uh, the feelings of, would you say Franklin? Yeah. When he made that statement well over 200 years ago, let me read this statement here. And this is a statement put out. It was a joint statement put out by the United States and Ukraine in reference to their partnership. I'll read about three paragraphs of it. It says, uh, 30 years ago, the restoration of the Ukraine's independence The bonds between the United States and Ukraine are stronger than ever. Our shared values and commitment to a Europe that is whole, free, democratic, and at peace provide the basis of our strategic partnership. We are working together to address uh, shared global challenges, including security, diversification, Uh, COVID-19 pandemic and climate change. Our relationship serves as a cornerstone for security, democracy, and human rights in the broader region. 
we are committed to Ukraine's implementation of the deep and comprehensive reforms necessary to fulfill its European and Euro-Atlantic aspirations. We are also united in our commitment to the Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity in the face of continued Russian aggression. Ukraine's success is central to the global struggle between democracy and autocracy. As we face this challenge together, we stand shoulder to shoulder, optimistic about our ambitious common goals to advance democracy, deliver justice, enhance prosperity, and bolster security. The Ukraine has achieved progress in building institutions with integrity and intends with U.S. support to continue to counter corruption, assure accountability, safeguard human rights, realize the aspirations of its citizens, and create a formidable and uh, create favorable conditions for attracting foreign direct investment and driving growth. Now, that was the joint statement put out, Richard. Mm-hmm. Now, do you notice something there that we've always been talking about when we throw out on this program? It's something that was said in that first paragraph that's really key. And it's kind of ironic that Lloyd Austin was over there uh, basically reinstating the shared values. And that's what has me, it don't have me scratching my head, but it should have people looking at this with critical thinking. Let me read that again, Richard, just to drive it home. The first paragraph, it says, 30 years after the restoration of the Ukraine's independence, the bonds between the United States and the Ukraine are stronger than ever. Our shared values and commitment to a Europe that is whole, free, democratic, and at peace provide the basis of our strategic partnership. Do you you grab that, Richard? Mm -hmm. And see, that's what we've been saying all along. That when you talk about United States and Europe, they're brethren. They don't want any problems on the European continent. They don't want anybody attacking Europe. They want Europe to be strong and free, just like their brethren here in the United States. It's the, I mean, we can say it here among ourselves. But it's, it's issued here in a joint statement from the, 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 the briefing room from the United States. It says the United States and Ukraine, which is part of Europe, our shared values and commitment to a Europe that is whole, free, democratic, at peace, and at peace, and provides the basis of our strategic partnership. Hmm. That's why when, uh, when Reagan, I think one of the last bastions of it was going on when Germany had that wall between de- their brethren. And he said, tear down this wall. You remember that that statement that, you know, that, that's what they wanted. They wanted to stop fighting. Sure, they're going to have their little family squabbles. But they didn't want any Europe war going on on European soil. If they could help it. Not at all. Not so at I, all. Just, I just thought that was ironic and funny that he's over there basically reinstating and expressing these values. And he's not European at all. And don't look like a son of Europe. 
but he's over there reinstating these values. That in itself is a problem. And that's a problem that we all had, that we've all been dealing with. W.E.B. Du Bois talked about the double consciousness. That's mm-hmm. a problem. That's, that's the, that's one of the major issues that we're going to have moving forward as a people, Richard. Because some and, of our people can't shake that mindset. Yeah. They just can't. And, and we, and, and where, where you started in relationship to, um, how we, how we have to see ourselves as one um, group, uh, national group, you know, and therefore be a part of that assisting of, of reshaping that mindset, right? I mean, uh, or at least identifying who is down, you know, when you, when you bring that up, here is the, the military and State Department saying um, to um, these Eastern European countries, we recognize what you have, you know, that let you know we down with you. Yeah, exactly. We down with you. That's, you know, like that's, and we, we going to help you. Uh, your enemy is my enemy. But what happens when in America, the enemy for us is not just us and, and you know, in these here colloquial terms, it isn't just black folks but it's America itself, which is they're wrestling with, right? I came across the, you know, I I didn't know. I heard that there was these mayors, you know, that's coming together to deal with um, um, how do you deal with uh, reparations for, uh, for black folks. And, and they got a, they got a a organizations, more mayors, uh, moremayors.org. And, and listen, you know, and the problem I'm having, Ellie, is because should we be defining what our remedy is or should we have others who have not been um, allies, whether, you know, defining how should we repair even our double consciousness? Because some of us think that that's a part of our uh, mental illness, a mental health that we have to deal with. Yes. How, you know, right? I mean, it's not being a, having a double consciousness. Um, having, as the boy said, two warring ideals pulling a sender in one dark body, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, should we should we be passing that on from one generation to the next? No, we shouldn't, but we do, and we have right. been doing that. that. You know, and so here, here, there, there, they got a mission. Racial inequality in America was cemented and institutionalized for generations. So now what? They're going to admit it? Is that the, the mayors? And, and some of these mayors are black, but most of them are white. They're going to admit, um, where is, I mean, is this over? Right? Uh, when restitution was denied to survivors of chattel slavery and human bondage with their descendants stripped of the uniquely American promise of self-empowerment through legally enforced oppression, legally enforced segregation and discrimination officially sanctioned in both the public and private sectors. As documented by the New York Times, the wide ranging consequences of that, that history of inhumanity and injustice. Remember there was a, what, uh, 
didn't we talk about um, not too long ago, maybe a month or two ago, um, the UN um, did a, something and, and came to the conclusion about uh, America um, um, treatment to Africans in America is a um, considered a, again, once again, because you mentioned with um, 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 Paul Robeson, that was one thing they went to the UN um, for, right? To, 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 you know, to charge UN with, your charge America with gen- a genocide. Um, but here, this UN body came and agreed uh, again that America's treatment of African Americans is 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 a, um, a a case for inhumanity. And so, you know, Black Americans remain the most segregated group of people in America and are five times as likely to live in high poverty neighborhoods as white. Not even not even high earning in inculcate black people against racialized this disadvantaged black families earning seventy five thousand or more a, a a year live in poor neighborhoods than white Americans earning less than forty five forty thousand a year. Let me make sure I got that. This is, I mean, they're informing us, right? Black people against racialized disadvantaged black families earning 75,000 or more a year live in poorer neighborhoods than white Americans earning less than 40,000 a year. Research by John Logan, a Brown University sociologist shows According to another study by Stanford sociologist uh, Sheen Randor and his colleagues, the average black family earning a hundred thousand a year lives in a neighborhood with an average annual income of fifty four thousand dollars. Black Americans with high incomes are still black. they face discrimination across American life, but it is because their families have not been able to build wealth that they are often unable to come up with a down payment to buy more affluent neighborhoods while, while white Americans with lower income often use facsimile wealth to do so. That's, that's, I don't know. I don't know if that made sense, Elliot, to show uh, how structurally at a disadvantage black folks are and how us being, as you say, having this warring ideals with ourselves um, puts us not at a disadvantage with the system of white supremacy that Ben Franklin was raising, but puts us at a disadvantage with ourselves. Because I don't know if you would agree, that would provide our inability to organize with each other. Yeah, yeah, yes, I definitely agree with that. You know, it's a, you know, and so it, it, and, and what, what gets me is that I, I seen a, um, a, a another uh, for Philadelphia, just using Philadelphia, a profile of the working poor in Philadelphia in 2016. Over 53,000 Philadelphians in the labor force working or looking for work are working poor. That is, they work 27 weeks or more in a year, but earn less than the poverty income level. And it goes on to give you the, the, the statistics 
of of that. Now, we already know that 23% of black folks in Philadelphia live in poverty. Live in poverty. But it uh, now, wait a minute, Richard. Uh, now that that could vary because I I didn't hear it up to twenty eight percent. But let's let's go with what you said. Twenty three percent live in poverty. Right, right. In does, poverty. Does it put a a percentage on the ones that the, uh, considered the working poor? Mm, um, let me see. I seen and and among those who work for twenty seven. Let me see. Make sure I'm, I'm using. Okay, here we go. Uh, twenty seven weeks or more. In 2016, more women were classified as working poor than men. Uh, and um, 31,000. The working poor rate was um, higher for women. Now, you know, women got a double thing, right? Because there, there's women in them being black. So we don't never know um, when these numbers, when they kind of break them out. And in 2016, the working rate, the working poor rate of whites was the lowest among other race ethnic groups at 5%. Black and Asians were about twice as likely as whites to be among the working poor. And the rates were a little different from each, 10% and 9.7, respectively. Now, white folks working poor is only 5%. Working poor amongst blacks is 10%. So and I'm going to take your number because I, I've seen that too. So you add 28% and then you add 10% who is working because the ones that, that 28 work, they, they're not working. They're just poor. I mean, they're just, they're just making it off of assistance, assistance and, yes. you know, and then you add another 10%, right. And they're, and they're uh, working but they're not making enough to be classified above being poor. So that means really the poverty rate has moved from 28% to 38%. Even though people are moving around and, and they, and then in this chart, they actually break down um, um, how this works. In 2016, 41% of the working poor worked part-time in comparison, only 10% of non-poor. Wages are lower. The wage and salary income for non-poor workers was uh, subsequently higher than that of working poor. The average income of non-poor was 45,000 compared to only 9,000 for working poor. That's... I, I don't now. Then those are the national average, in a lot of urban areas, it's probably a lot higher. Right. So, so we what we see is amount like this systemic reality. And wait uh, a minute, the first stats that you read were talking about people that had a little means, as far as black people. Exactly. Exactly. And you right. can see that they live outside the boundaries of quote unquote the value system of the United States. I mean, white folks with less money can live like them with more. You know, the average black family earning a hundred thousand a year lives in a neighborhood with an average annual income of fifty four, fifty four thousand. Um, black Americans with high incomes are still black. Wait a minute, let me let me see if I, I find that that where they uh, let's see. 
uh, black families earning 75,000 or more a year lives in a poor neighborhood than white folk, white Americans earning less than 40,000. So if you're making 75,000, you're, you're, you have to live in a area, a poor area, even though you have more money, but white folks who's making 40,000 can live and I'm reversing it can live in an area that like a person who's making 75,000. Do that make sense? <laughs> well, let me say that again to just make sure because it's, 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 it's boggling my mind. You a black person, you making $75,000 a year. Okay. You have to live in an area where people who are making $40,000 a year because you're locked out of those areas where your money can be able to um, afford you that accessibility. But white folks who are living who are making only $40,000 a year can live in an area worth $75,000 a year because they're not locked out, which means that the property of value of the homes they live in, even though they're making less money, those homes are valued more. I'm glad that you said that because let me, let me, or dovetail what you're saying, Richard, on this article here put out by Harvard EDU. And it came out on February 16th of this year. It says black homeowners not only have primary mortgages with higher interest rates than white homeowners with similar incomes, they also have higher interest rates than white homeowners with substantially lower income. According to a new analysis of data, from the 2019 American Housing Survey. While refinancing can lead to lower interest rates, the cost savings, even when black homeowners refinance their mortgages, interest rate disparities exist. These inequities are in part due to historic and recent instances of discrimination in mortgage markets that could be that could be costing black homeowners significant amounts of money. Black homeowners with incomes between seventy-five and a hundred thousand dollars a year had higher interest rates than white homeowners with thirty thousand or less in household mm-hmm. income. So that bolsters what you're saying, Richard. Let, yeah. let me read that again because it, it, it let it sink into the listeners. Black homeowners with incomes between seventy-five and $100,000 had higher interest rates than white homeowners with $30,000 or less household income. Across most income categories, white homeowners with primary mortgages had lower interest rates than the highest earning black homeowners with primary mortgages. For example, uh, the median well, no, no, let me skip some of that. I'll skip down to here because I don't want to just keep keep on. It says, while additional studies are needed to identify the specific causes of black-white interest disparities. Now, here's the bull. Here's the bull crap. Right? <laughs> they need more studies. Right? Here's the bull crap. While additional studies are needed to identify the specific causes of black-white interest disparities, 
widespread racial discrimination in mortgage markets have played a key role. Though these findings predate the pandemic, they are particularly striking given that many new and existing homeowners have sought to take advantage of low interest rates during the pandemic to purchase a home or to refinance their mortgage. This, in turn, is yet another reason of addressing longstanding and continued history of discrimination in mortgage markets. Now, they need another study, Richard, to find out why this is going on, which is the, which is the here's the dog and pony show. But it only reinforced what you said earlier. This is why you, what did you say, Richard? If you make $100,000, you got to live in a neighborhood that's $40,000. So you can maintain the interest rate. But the value of that home is not is still lower than what you would have been able to do if the interest rate was lower and for the income that you have, you can be able to move in a place or purchase a home where the value would increase, which means that the wealth transfer would be higher. Mm. Right? Oh, it don't stop there. It don't stop there. And look, you've been looking at Philadelphia and, and that's and, and, and before this here. Sometimes I wonder about these machines right now. All the time I was setting up, there was no no Dutch background going on. As soon as, as soon as we go on, I get we get this Dutch background in the background, right? I you know sometimes I just wonder what's going on here, right? Philly 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 is forty four percent black. This is a commentary by Malik uh, Majad um, in the Inquirer. This is November twenty ninth. Um, yet our companies get less than twelve percent of city contracts. Many people are looking forward to the transportation and band broadband upgrades that will result from the recently signed infrastructure bill. Broadening access to the internet will contribute to helping more low-income children grow into more industrious and resourceful adults. Rebuilding roads and bridges is desperately needed to provide safety increase, increase productivity and boost commerce. Putting the two of these things together will likely lead to well-paying jobs and create a new ecosystem that will have a long-term impact on our city and region. However, even with those benefits coming soon, the question remains whether Philadelphia black and brown. I don't, uh, sometimes I wonder why we got to do the black, the black and brown thing, but okay, I, I understand <laughs> Um, population will finally share in this momentous wealth generating event. Wait a minute. Let me make sure I got that. Um, the question remains like he ain't sure, right? Based off of the history, you know, is this going to happen? I, I raised the same concern. The re- the record seems to indicate otherwise, unless there's a concerted effort from the city and Philadelphia corporate community. Uh Oh, the same, the same one where Comcast is. Our city continues to fail in addressing the core issue of equal opportunity. The latest annual report from Philadelphia's Office of Economic Opportunity makes that clear. The report for 2020 shows that, slight, that slightly less than 20% of our city contracts were awarded to minority-owned firms. More specifically, Black-owned companies won only 11.5% of city contracts, while Hispanic-owned businesses garnered only 3.5%. Consider the fact that our city is 44%. And, you know, uh, I I don't know, you know, we talk about gentrification all the time. But I remember, Elliot, this city was like 70% black. 
I mean, when looking at the demographic, looking at the census, looking at the demographics, I remember when you can look at those numbers and say 70% black. Where has all these black folks gone? I know we ain't, I mean, I know we ain't died like that. I don't know what you think. Well, and all I, the buildings that's being built. Well, you know, listen, a lot of blacks, a lot of uh, black folks from this area, Richard, that picked up and moved down south. Yeah. They have. Yeah. And even understanding black owned business does not have the capacity to earn 40 44% of city contracts at this time. And that's important. Why we don't have the capacity after you, you were mentioning about the, uh, the next year in 2022, 2020, 2022, um, the 50 years of the 72 Gary and, um, thing, um, well, Philadelphia for 50 years have had political control primarily of, of I mean, I'm talking about black elected officials, black city council who controls the land, um, black um, mayors, black, uh, what's that, uh, police chiefs, you know, black people that were a part of the, um, these, um, what's that, Philadelphia, um, I, not, I didn't never heard nobody about the Philadelphia housing development. I might have seen, but I ain't never heard no. There was no black control of that, but blacks in control of the school, you know, school board, and and even he said he's saying even understanding black owned businesses do not have the capacity to earn. You think after fifty years we should have built, we should have generated capacity? Certainly, without question. If the challenge was there, that same challenge was there 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the challenge is still here now, but even it's even greater. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the the institutions that you had then that could help with this, like uh, maybe some of the schools that used to do uh, um, vocational training and all, has went by the boards, that's even going to hurt it even more. And, and that's those jobs, these, these new jobs that they're talking about. Which are primarily they telling they telling them like well don't don't worry about getting a four year don't worry about getting a four year degree As a matter of fact don't worry about getting a two year degree get a certificate and you can run the lines right get get a certificate and you can be able to be on the, the highway well I know when they got the highway transportation highway money. This ain't infrastructure. They was talking about the highway. A trillion dollars was held up. The states held it up. Remember, we were just reading about how the COVID money went to the state and the state, that governor, you know, from Mississippi. Yeah, they used it to build prisons. What she was going to do with it. Yeah. And she ain't the only one. I think I heard it in, in, in Las Vegas. The same thing. So it's been money. And when it went out, it, to pull the bill when we see, I don't, you know, I don't drive, but I, I see, I, you know, you know, getting them rides. I see they done built a whole lot of highways. That's a whole lot of jobs. And I'm thinking still with Philadelphia, we got a whole lot of um, undeveloped pipes, pipes, old pipes that need to be do- in neighborhoods that we were in. That, that, that highway money, transportation money could have went to, that could have been building up, giving those young guys those jobs to be able to um, dig up the dirt and put new pipes in. Ain't take a whole lot of, you didn't have to be a rocket science to do that. 
and be able to be able to get an income to raise a family, buy a house, and be a part of this boom of the the values of these houses that the, that the developers do these council people letting them be able to do these black council people letting them be able to do and getting this ten year tax abatement. You know, they could have been able to get them to buy those houses, which would be able to set them nice for their children in relationship to the wealth transfer. Because the value of those houses are moving up. I, I don't, we didn't get that. And here now, where again, he's concerned we might not get, because the city contract, we might not get this here with the, with the infrastructure money. And you know we're not going to get it. All you got to do is look at the track record of not only this country, but how they dole out money. You know that you're not, not going to get it. Now, you're supposed to because you've got representative of, officials that's supposed to be looking out for your interests. Here we go again with the same beating that same drum again. And you ask me, sometimes I, I just, I mean, I, the only thing that is, um, and this, and I, I would like, the time for awakening audience to recognize I'm not being cynical. I'm reckless. When I heard these young people, that was the inspiration that um, we're doing. When I seen that for next year, Barack, uh, was that uh, um, Chuck, uh, uh, Antar Lumumba and, 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 and what's the, um, um, the mayor of, of R- Newark. Raz Baraka. Uh, Raz Baraka that they're, they're coming together to put together this this 50-year of peace, the, the sons of, that's an inspiration. But that that requires us three in our room, on our phones, on Zoom, doing the political education so that we can be the advocates. Not just saying that the Democratic Party ain't giving us nothing, being becoming organized like they did in, in, in Louds County becoming organized, ordinary people doing extraordinary things within the communities that we are in, having that intergenerational communication to give them direction, being there, not telling them what to do, but assisting them in the direction to be able to to develop the political understanding, the strategic thinking, the sovereign thinking to be able to take control of the future for our own and our own interests that I, I'm, that inspires me. Um, so even though the numbers don't make sense and the white folks, they're telling us, they like, they doing a report and say, well, well, we need to do more studies anyway. I don't know how much we're going to study. And that ain't nothing but a job for them. Yeah. And money will, and money will be put in somebody's pocket to do these quote unquote studies. That's what I'm saying. That you, I'm still encouraged. That's all I want. Universities get millions of dollars and come up with the same conclusions that we see and, every day. And, and then tell us, well, we're sorry for being able to, that we were in part, we are part, we had enslaved Africans build our universities. We had enslaved Africans cleaning our toilets. And what we're going to do is give a few of you uh, a couple of low interest if no interest that we can identify, uh, uh, what is that? Degree, uh, access to college education. All they sitting like they sitting like University of Penn 
with with thirteen billion dollar endowments. I think it's higher than that. Endowment. That's money that they ain't even gotta spend. It's just sitting on it. And don't pay, and don't pay a stitch of taxes. I, I, I don't don't be mad at me, time for awakening audience. I just sometimes it just gets to me. And listen, this stuff is not just going on in Philadelphia. <clears throat> it's yeah. going on in all these cities where we at. It's going on in Chicago. It's going on in New York. Uh, you just heard some of the stuff we talked about in New York in the past couple of months on this program. It's going on in Baltimore. It's going on. Uh, it's going on in all of these cities where we're at. And that's why we have to. The only way we can be able to overcome this because we ain't, we ain't leaving. We ain't leaving. And we ain't dying. Even COVID is showing. We ain't going out of here. So it's no sense in us just sitting around um, saying, you know, throwing our hands up and saying, well, at least I'm going to go someplace where it's warm. Well, even if you go someplace where it's warm, you can be able to get on the phone, get on the computer and, and assist in the political organizing necessary. You hear me say that over and over again. I'm trying to I'm, I'm really am conditioning us. We have to do better political organizing because the numbers is showing that these other ethnic groups are coming in and they're going to get those contracts. And we can't just complain that they got it. We're in competition with them and we can't be in competition with them if we're not organized. And you can't tell me, well, I got mine. You got to get yours just because we got this double consciousness going on in our head. I'm sorry. I'm Richard, before we take a break, let me, because um, this goes along with what you were saying, but this is something that happened here in Philadelphia here. And just remember what I said. This stuff going on here is going on in every city where we're at. Um, Philadelphia reached a milestone last week, what they consider a milestone, 500 people. I think that might have lasted a couple hours. Mm-hmm. 500 people been murdered. The black clergy had a meeting a couple of weeks ago. Held a press conference. Uh, let me sh- now. I'm gonna preface it by saying this, Richard. If you remember, when this mayor that we have now went into office, he proposed the sugar tax on sugary drinks that proliferate our neighborhoods, all them sodas and all that crap. And they said how this is devastating people's health and causing health issues. So they was gonna issue a sugary drinks tax to kind of. Uh, maybe force these companies uh, to cut back or whatever by people paying more for sugary drinks. And they said that the sugary drinks, if you remember, Richard, the money mm-hmm. would go towards uh, pre-K and the rec centers, right? Mm-hmm. Now, with the outbreak of this violence and no place for the children to... Listen, things was always bad in the black community, but when we were young, Richard, when I was young, when you was young, mm-hmm. you had rec centers, even though they, they looked terrible, they, they looked in bad <laughs> shape then, they <laughs> were still open. <laughs> yep. You had rec Y'all centers. Basketball. <laughs> yeah, you had the PAL Center. You had uh, other stuff going on. Uh, and then in the neighborhood, you had a lot of sanctioned basketball leagues going on. I played basketball. They was all over the place, even though you had gang, fi- gang violence. Uh, if you was playing ball, you could you could move around into different neighborhoods, and they didn't bother you. 
And if you're a good ball player and the people knew you all around the city, you kind of had a free pass. So you had carte blanche. Well, but it was things going on is what I'm saying, where you, you didn't have to be involved in foolishness. But now a lot of the, especially in our neighborhood, the libraries is closed. The rec centers is closed or had limited hours. I mean, it's really bad. It's nothing for the young people to do. Now, let me, the, the, the black clergy had a meeting a couple of weeks ago. Let me read some of this because it, it was a published report in the Philadelphia Tribune, which is the oldest black newspaper in the country. It says the, the Philadelphia black clergy held a news conference uh, Tuesday afternoon in front of the Cecil B. Moore Recreation Center, and that's at 22nd and Lehigh uh, for people that's in the Philadelphia area. Um, to discuss the concerns over the lack of progress of rebuilding the city's worst recreation centers. Last month, the clergy's organized organization gathered in front of Waterview Rec Center to discuss the same problem, deteriorating facilities, lack of programs in areas where gun violence is most prevalent. In response to the black clergy of Philadelphia, and vicinities demand for immediate action. A city spokesperson said, the city of Philadelphia thanks the black clergy for its continued partnership to support stronger communities. We agree with the clergy that the city's rec centers are a vital place to help communities become stronger and give young people a safe place to connect with caring adult role models. Through the rebuild program, this administration have committed hundreds of millions of dollars to capital investments and improvements in parks, rec centers, libraries. The statement continues. Now, I'm going back to the black clergy now, but I, I just want to allude to the city's response. Utter bullshit, Richard. <laughs> but wait a minute. The city's response is most of the the, the council is black. Do they agree with this response? Do they agree with this? I listen to people don't. Yeah, yeah, the people that's being affected, they clearly don't. But you heard this, the city's written response. Now, this is going back to the black clergy. According to the black clergy, there are 50 rec centers on the list to be rebuilt and repaired to an adequate and appropriate standard. Notice it said, Richard, repair to an adequate Mm -hmm. standard. However, the group says action has not been taken with swift enough measures. We're going to keep showing up at the worst rec centers in need of repair or in need of complete new buildings, holding press conferences until we see the kind of movement that concerns Deserve, this concern deserves, says Reverend Gregory Holston, the chair of the Black Clergy's Criminal Justice Reform Committee. One thing we know for sure, the squeaky wheel gets oil. We will not sit silently as progress moves at a snail's pace or our children are being killed in the street. We need action with Philadelphia rebuild process, and we need it now. Uh, the Love Zion Baptist Church adopted Cecil B. Moore Rec Center several years ago. Reverend Clarence Wright called the center the heart of North Philly neighborhood. It is no accident that our rec centers were closed during the pandemic 
the spike in crime and the spike in homicides have coincided with that shutdown, Wright says. This is my belief that this uh, right here where we're standing in the front, is the front line to fight crime in our communities. According to the City Controller's Interactive Crime Mapping Database, there has been 483 homicides in Philadelphia this year. Of those victims, 191 have been 18 years or younger. Wright said many of the shootings are youth shooting youth and that rec centers can offer programs and resources that could help these teens and help our young people. The rebuild program has not satisfied us because there are too many rec centers where nothing has been done, says Reverend Robert Collier, president of the Black Clergy. We want immediate results, immediate funding. We don't want to wait for the city's rebuild plan to go into effect. It's already supposed to be in effect. He had continued. <laughs> he, said, he said it's supposed to be in effect. Yeah. I'll talk about it. You go, it's going to, it's going to, it's just get, it ain't get started yet. No. Mm. He said, according to uh, the rebuild, uh, years ago before the beginning of the soda tax, we were told that, this rec center was number two on the list to be refurbished, Wright says. Now, if you look at where we are, if number two is the list has not seen a single nail and a single hammer go into the wall, what does that say about number three, four, five, six, or number 50? So we can see here, Richard, that this soda tax that was implemented with taxpayers' money, you just read that Philadelphia is 44% black. You don't even see nowhere near 41% of the resources, and you're paying taxes here. Your rec centers or our rec centers look like somebody that threw a bomb in there, and it hasn't been rebuilt. You can't use the bathrooms. They're, they're in deplorable condition. You see, it says they, they, don't, they want the centers to even be brought up to adequate. These centers are inadequate. If you go there to do any type of recreation, there's no equipment there for you to do it. If they want to go there and play ball, well, the baseball is totally out. Because the fields, you can't play no baseball or softball on them fields. If you go there to play basketball, anything, they don't have any balls there for you to use. It's nothing there. Sometimes the courts are not even up. It's been ripped down. They don't repair these places. It's nothing being done. Your tax monies go towards gentrified neighborhoods. It's plenty of rec centers in gentrified black neighborhoods that's been totally repaired and look brand new. I grew up across from that Arthur schoolyard at 21st and Catherine. If you go around there now, when I grew up, it was basketball courts over there, and we, and we played. You go there now, it's totally, I don't even recognize Arthur School, and that's where I grew up, right across the street. They done took that whole schoolyard where it used to be basketball courts, made it a dog park. It's beautiful over there. White people walk their dog, sit in the park. It's beautiful. Why couldn't that have been done when we were there? It was black elected officials there, and it's still black elected officials now. Where's all this money coming from all of a sudden? And the people that's been buying those homes in there, they got a 10-year tax abatement, so they ain't paying taxes. Where's the money coming from? Man. And the value of their houses is up, and they don't have to have a whole lot of income to be in them. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, uh, we'll go to the phones. We've got a call waiting. 
You can get involved in the conversation by down 215-490-9832. Let us know what's going on in your city. You, yes. You're hearing us vent about what's going on in here. It's just the same things going on in your city. The same things is going on in your city. What is your officials doing? What is your black representatives doing there for the people? Tell us. Don't just sit and listen to me whine and vent, although I ain't whining and venting. I don't think I am. But uh, <laughs> give us a call. Uh, talk to us. Give us a call, 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back. Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting or live program scheduling. Hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowner's insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu Black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu Black communities, 
Escape the Digital Plantation Now, abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the Digital Plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color, and that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power.
Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 818 here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. We're in the open forum. So you can hey, go. Uh-huh. Excuse me. Can I, can I read um, two? Um, paragraphs before we go back, go to the phones. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Go ahead. And, and I'm, I'm really um, expanding on Ben Franklin. Um, and and I want to get this because you ended um, in giving that article about the um, black ministers and, and giving a comparison of, of a past minister's way of thinking compared to what I perceive is now. Now, in that observation, in this piece of the observation that um, Franklin did, right, he said on this, the 24th uh, paragraph, he said, which leads me to add one remark, that the number of purely white people in the world, this is 1751, is proportionally very small. All Africa is black or twenty. Asia is chiefly twenty. America exclusive of the newcomers, wholly so. And in Europe, the Spanish, Italians, French, Russians, and Swedes are generally of what we call swarthy complexion. As are the Germans also, the Saxons only accepted, who with the English make the principal body of white people and the face of, on the face of the earth. I could wish their numbers were increased. And while we are, as I may call it, scoring our planet by clearing America of woods and so making this side of our globe reflect a brighter light to the eyes of inhabitants in Mars or Venus, why should we, in the sight of, of a superior beings, darken its people? You hear what he's saying? <laughs> you hear what he's saying? Why increase the souls of Africa? by planting them in America, where we have so fair opportunity by excluding all blacks and twenties 
You hear what he's saying? I mean, this is one of the original. He was the he was the godfather of the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Of increasing the low the of of increase of incre- of increasing the lovely white and red, but perhaps I'm partial to the complexion of my country. For such kinds of partiality is natural to mankind. All those numbers we spoke earlier, after all of those centuries, that's from from this voice in this period. And we ain't talking about the people that ran up 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 the steps of the uh, what they call it the the the, the uh, wasn't the White House uh, uh, Capitol. Yeah, and we ain't talking about them. We talking about these high. I mean, when you hear about Franklin, he's the scientist, the University of Penn, the Philosophical Society. The, the, I mean, these are the institutions that are the matrix of what makes America, America. Yeah, the brain trust. And this, you know, um, this author, this what caught me, because this is the way of thinking that we have when we talk about sovereign thinking, that when, when you know, when you were re- reading that about those ministers, I didn't hear that from him. We're going to stand there and, 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 and raise our voice. Raise your voice. Educate your people to take the power and control of where my money at and build this. Matter of fact, not build this. Give my Jamal and, 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 and Tisha a job to do it. Mm-hmm. This is what he says. Um, in this section, National Destiny and the Black Bourgeois Ministry. While not every Black American religious leader of the 19th century was a Black nationalist, most of the best-known and most literate clergy occasionally reveal elements of nationalism in their writing. African-American nationalism in its purest form must include, among other ingredients, the quest for a national homeland, and it perhaps incorrect to refer to anyone as a black nationalist unless he or she favors territorial separatism. But black nationalism has also ingredients besides territorial separatism. And most black leaders have some of the other ingredients of nationalism in their thinking, such as martial or institutional separatism. They believe that black America are a people rather than a mere ethnic group, that they have a history that separate separates them in essential ways from other Americans, and that they have a destiny to remain par- permanently separate from the rest of America. Historically, Black nationalism has always inevitably been accompanied by a religious rhetoric. In fact, it may almost be perceived as a variety of a religion in itself. Now, I just asked when I was listening to you when I, um reading that article and thinking about these the you know the black church in Philadelphia, do these guys speak like with this kind of conviction of authority like we're a people, and if they do don't don't it sound like we're begging people? yeah is that the kind of people we should be? Is that the kind of people that these guys represent? Because it sounds like he's saying not in that time. They weren't represent, And they were writing. 
So that, that means that the record of how they sounded, that they weren't sounding like a bag of people. They were anti-slavery, they were saying that. They were pro, they were pro um, building institutions and they were doing it. They were engaging in organizing and political activity and they were doing it. They were doing it so effectively that the national organization had to go up against them. Do we sound like, do these guys sound like that? I, I, I just thought that there was, you know, the, the contrast of the voice of Franklin in the 18th century and what is being told of us of the black leadership of the 19th century makes, you know, black people, this is what we should demand out of ourselves. And that these guys, whether they're political leaders or religious leaders, we, we should be demanding out of them. And I just don't hear it, Elliot. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's see what the audience says. Wow. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Oberlin, Ohio. Sean, are you there? Yeah, I'm right here. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I mean, if, if I can just talk, I mean, about, you know, I mean, as far as, like, you know, the idea of, like, black people not being wanted here, I mean, I think that, you know, as soon as, you know, the Civil War, it became like a kind of a, uh, you know what I'm saying? A big, we became a big question mark because I mean, we were never really, we never really had a real chance to get a foothold economically and politically to the point where we can even, you know, redlining Jim Jim Crow. You know, you, you know, you know, you know how it goes. It's like every time, you know, they they keep changing the goalposts and changing the rules, and you know, just you know, dirty, dirty, you know, dirty, dirty, you know just foul play and everything. And so like, as far as like black people organizing, I, 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 I come from, I'm starting to, I'm starting to see things, you know, maybe not popularly because I'm starting to see that as far as black people in, in America, black men are really being, and it, and it kind of goes back to honestly slavery where it's like, you know, you beat the men and you emasculate and you confuse the women. You know how you have what was it? One of these banks talking about we're going to give a, a a billion dollars to black women. And and I'm thinking like you know there's a lot you know it goes back to the welfare you know you know every you know the welfare industrial complex and the prison industrial complex that you know started to kick off you know but you know basically back in slavery but you know revamped again in in the 60s. With the, with the feminism, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that it's it's hard for black people to to really be assertive when you know all the cultural traits are you know heavily negating black manhood. You you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of girl power and black girl magic, but you know let a black man talk too tough. You know it's, it's always open season on black men. And it's difficult for us to 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 really like have a sustained voice over like a period of time. We can talk for a couple of days, but somehow the mic gets snatched from us. We can't. We it's it, 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 it's it, it's extremely difficult to even have any kind of like you know geographically national organization 
if we use, you know, the same tools that can be cut off any time. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, Sean, listen, I agree with what you're saying. But see, some of these narratives that's been thrown out there. Well, let me go. I'm going to deal with a couple of things that you stated. Because the debate of black people, both men and women, being here has been a consistent debate almost since white folks have brought us here. Uh, you see, Richard talked about what uh, Franklin was talking about, and that was in the 1700s. Uh, the Civil War broke out. Not, excuse me, not, the Revolutionary War broke out in the 1700s. And when other Europeans threw out the idea of, well, if these slaves can escape and join our side and fight against the quote-unquote uh, birth of the United States, then we'll offer them freedom. Yeah. And some of our people took them up on that idea. They was double-crossed, but they did it. Later on, almost 100 years later, or, or or sooner, the debate came up again about black people again. So they uh, they came up with this idea to get free blacks out of here. They didn't mind blacks working because you was ostracized from society. But they didn't want blacks walking around free in society like they was, quote-unquote, free up in New York and Philadelphia and other places. So they came up with the idea to get blacks out of here, send them to Liberia. That didn't work. It's been it's been constant debates. Lincoln came up with this idea about sending blacks to what was it? Uh, uh, Central America, Richard? Yes, Central America. Central America. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Central America. Uh, Central, yeah, Panama. Pan- yeah, that's it. He came up with that idea about sending blacks to Panama. Lincoln, but then the and war. The money. Say, say that again. I'm sorry. And the money. And the, yeah, exactly. But then the war kind of derailed those talks. But then after the war broke out and things was falling apart for the North and blacks jumped into the war then after Douglas and others was trying to persuade because Lincoln wasn't in favor of putting no weapons in black people's hands. But they was uh, they had their backs was against the wall. So then when blacks turned the tide of that war, all of a sudden they figured they had off a black some type of carrot. They came up with all types of 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. We'll give you some land. We'll do this. You'll be able to be elected officials now. Then when we start turning things around, doing that reconstruction, they said, no, no, no. And that didn't just come from maybe one or two whites. That came from a consensus whites. I don't care whether they was liberal, conservative, whatever titles that they was using during that time. They said, we're not going to have this. It's always been a debate about black people here in society. And it continues even to this day. So when you got these narratives being thrown out there to to cause more disruption in the black family, like uh, the black girl magic, uh, these men doing this, that, and the other, you know what it, uh, Sean, that's coming from those white narratives that's being thrown out there and given to. I, I know that, but the problem is our people are not like lucid about it. They, they, people are, people accept things uncritically. Okay. And the problem is, me and you know this, but I'm just saying the trend, the overall trend has not been really to like any. I mean, you know this. It's it's extreme. It has been extremely hard to even have any kind of strong. Why do you think reparations is taking you know 40 years? Even why aren't black representatives even able to like 
just like we're just going to stand on this and we're just not going to talk about anything else. And we're not, we're going to make sure that the whole nation of black people like are on this because I'm sure they have the, 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 the legislators, they, their, their job is to speak. And I'll be, I'm just like, I mean, look, I, 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 I'm not, I, I know it's hard for the black family. You know, you, you do realize that the whole, like, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not trying to divide or cause division. I'm trying to say that like, you know, Black families are really falling apart. I mean, the wedlock, the wet, the out of, uh, you know, the wedding, the marriage rate, the 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 wedlock rate. You know how many like young black men have kids? It's not. It's like you know, it's like less than fifty percent of, of like marriageable black men have children. We're talking about like ex- existential things where like our our meaning or our sense of who we are is falling apart. It really is. It's deep. It, it, there's a lot of internal work and a lot of like real, like honorable soul searching about who we are and our character and what is being, because we have to acknowledge that we're constantly being, there is no shelter. There's no psychological shelter for black people. We're all, our minds are always under assault. I agree. And I can say that as a man, but it's so difficult to have. I mean, there's a few, there's always a few. But it's like it, you know what I'm saying. It's like it, it, the, if I if I it's difficult because I I would expect that our people would really like not fall for the okie doke in the in the liberal tricks in the in the foolish conservatism. I, I mean, don't get do not get me wrong. I, I I am slightly right of center. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not I'm not like gay. I'm pro gay. Uh, climate change. Uh, uh, uh diversity politics. Uh, uh, and all of this, I'm black and I understand my identity, but I'm not, I want I don't want to have, I don't like the idea of like the, the women who I call my own, just in relationships with other men that I call my own, just like, well, we have a baby and we're just, I'm, I'm as a woman, I'm just going to abort it. Knowing the history of Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood, you know what I'm saying? I mm. look, it, 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 it's uncomfortable, but I'm not going to have a knee jerk about it. I know that. Black, there, there's a, there's, I mean, look, I mean, I, I don't want to make it pretty. I don't want to sit here and say that the women that I call black, all of them are angels. And that they're, they're look, but it's hard for a man to tell, to tell a woman that she can do anything when the woman can get money from the government and not really need the man. These are existential things. This is, goes back to the 60s. Black, going back to once again, black people trying to organize, but the government using these ploys. And the black men just all that masculinity, that strength, saying we are who we are, just gets <coughs> nibbled nibbled from the edges until we have to start over from nothing. Wow. The, the shield. I mean, you know, it's it, uh, Sean. As, as I hear hear you, I, yeah, I just want to say that any black women out here who are really like love Africa, pro-black, pro love who are our history. I'm not against you. But I, look, these these things out here that are going on with our people, male and female, need a synthesis of what's going on because I really, I have days where I feel like the women are not on black man's side and, and on a subconscious level, they, 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 it goes back to the plantation politics where the black man gets beat down, beat down and can't provide and can't just be a man and just have it all like the, the, you know, I wish I, you know what I'm saying? You know, like she's the queen and I'm the king. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of this really high, high, you know what I'm saying? Like really 
lofty stuff that we kind of get trapped into the Disneyfication of our of our culture. Disney again, you know what I'm saying? Disney, mm-hmm. all bad. You know what I'm saying? Thumbs down to Disney. You know what I'm saying? We got keep we got again keeping it more real. Stuff that we just had to say hard pass and keep it pushing. Sean, thanks yeah. for your contribution, man. No problem. Anytime. Talk Appreciate to you. Richard, uh, listen, Sean raised some uh, some good points there about yeah. a lot of these things being brought up, these narratives, that, and that happens in a lot of different ways. There's movements, actions that our people take. A lot of these narratives that are thrown out there don't come from black people. The genesis of the, uh, these ideas don't come necessarily from black people. You might see them out there parroting it, but they don't come from them because it's not from their reality. I mean, I understood what he was saying. Uh, what, give me your... Go, okay. Go ahead. I, I, I mean, I definitely agree. It's, the, it's you know, and, and, you know, my thing is that in spite of that, what especially not necessarily just looking at the challenges that black men go through, but recognizing that if black women for in this moment is being in a, in a group, because there are black women who recognize what the what the real what the fight is about. Yes. You know, what I mean, let's let's not. I mean, we could look at the ones who don't, and they may be 60%, 70%. But we have to look at the 30%, the 40% that see what it's about and then say that's where we have to, we recognize our mutual agreement and how do we work. Because what we have to do is constantly, because this is what you say it all the time, Elliot, these white boys, don't they don't sleep. They They come up, once they see... We done created a new armor, and it is not like we didn't create a new armor. They say we created, dang, these Negroes, like they done created something out of nothing again. And they get their boys working on it, and they women, they working on it. Well, this is how we do to be the disruptor this time, which means that we have to, because until we win, you know, going back to those guys in the 19th century, and Sean brought up about this, um, the period of the 60s. Those were wins. They weren't, they weren't a continuation of loss. You brought up about the Reconstruction period. Those were wins. We won. Right? We, we, we gained space. We showed what we can do. We made them have to work harder to mm-hmm. keep what Franklin put it, said is the basis of what they wanted to have. And that's what we just have to continue to do. And we have to look at that as our creative energy, just like we do in music. We create a light, we create a style that it gets, it don't get old. It gets the, we get, we have to, we change it. That's our innovative. That's our creative process. We have to celebrate that we can do that. And we have to pass that on from a political organizing and controlling perspective until we perfect it in this environment and other environments that we're doing it, but we don't have to work so hard. Let's let's uh, let's grab another call. Let's go to uh, 718 New York City, 718 New York City. Hello. Yes, sir. Hello. Yes, sir. Greetings, brothers. This is Brother Maurice out of New York. How are you doing today? Oh, he's up. I'm doing good. 
doing good. I just have a few things that's been on my mind, and I just want to um, touch base on uh, some of the things that have been talked about. First, uh, when we're dealing with uh, America and we're dealing with this mentality of what America thinks, I don't know if people have been paying attention to some of these polls. I know polls can say anything a person wants to try to navigate it through, but I've been looking at some recent polls, and it said more more people prefer Republicans to win control of the House and the Senate, right? Now, this is the Quinnipiac uh, University poll just, that came out in November. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them said that 60% of them said if uh, if they if this, a candidate endorsed the, you know, um, uh, uh, the views of President uh, ex-President Trump, that they would want to support him. So, uh, again, I listen to these narratives, and I, I listen to a lot of people talk about you know, this will be the generation that's going to um, end racism. But then when you look at the, the philosophy of what people are pushing forward, when they know that a lot of the, the policies and the things that uh, President Trump talked about was divisive, yet this country prefers to have them in control. And that control makes a difference in every person's life, but especially people of, of color, especially black people. Um I just did a, a, a piece with a, with a gentleman that we were talking about all of these corporations that pledged all of this money, <clears throat> excuse me, pledged all this money to um, when this whole issue started with George Floyd and, you know, this, this movement, which I don't identify as a Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement. I, I refuse to identify it as that. I think that there was a period of time where people became more conscious about some issues and we moved forward. And they just happened to be the designated group that they wanted to put forward out there. Uh, but the, the issue for me has been a lot of the funding that they're talking about has now, as I've been watching and looking at these corporations, instead of it being focused, you know, specifically now toward the injury that has occurred to to to, to black, is now a whole big uh, biopop thing to black indigenous people of color. Now I don't have a problem with people who've been injured by this country to receive. Uh, I mean, receive the reparations, right? But what I said to to this gentleman was, I said, my problem is that our injury is specific and unique, and the remedy for that it should be specific and unique. There was nobody talking about when the Japanese got their money. It was specific and unique to the injury that occurred to them. And so I'm not interested in this lumping things in because what happens is there's a delusion of money. And then the, the the whole idea is that we always seem to be at the back of the bus when these when these these funds are being distributed. And 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 when people talk about this whole idea about cognitive dissonance about what's going on in America and this whole thing with uh, race uh, critical race theory, I have an argument to say there's no such thing as cognitive dissonance. There's cognitive indifference is what I say because people can see the facts right. Because the idea that black people are talking about is a reclamation. Most people don't even know what that, might not know what the word means. But reclamation, just the definition says, it's the process of claiming something back to reserting a right. And black people are trying to reassert a right of, of their existence in this country and the truth about that existence. That our existence didn't just start in being enslaved. That Ivan Van Sertima talked about we were here before Columbus. And then you find the facts of us all over this uh, all over this country, and so I have a problem when when we talk about lumping all this stuff together in terms of 
specific remedies to issues that have occurred to black people. And as a person misinterpreted saying that I don't want to help the other people, I said, no, but I, what I want is what's right for black people. Now, the second point I want to make, because you talked about politics in, in um, the city of New York, and you talked about Eric Adams. But one of the things that we need, no one ever talks about, is the city council uh, speaker, right? There's six people running for the city council speaker right now, two black, two Latino, two white. And it's going to get interesting because I'm trying to see who's going to cancel who else, who's going to cancel out each other in this whole process, right? The decision will be made. There's 51 council members' decision will be made in January. Most people don't even know that I've been following this. And and this is the key thing that people need to understand because the speaker is the one that negotiates with the mayor, helps set the budget to help set the tone of what's going to happen in this city. And so Eric Adams could be only as successful as his relationship with the speaker. Mm-hmm. And it's going to make a difference as who is going to be in office. And my idea, my, my, my concern is what compromise is going to happen, right? Who, who is going to get put into that particular office? You know, there's, there's, there's six people, there's Gail Brewer, who's been probably, the, she's like 70 years old. She's a, she's a, a longtime political uh, 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 person. She ran, she was a, uh, she was, a, I think, in, in the, she was a borough president of, of, of Manhattan. And she has a lot of political connections. There's other people, there's a, there's a Sarah Lewis, there's a, there's a um, Justin Brandon, there's a uh, Deanna Alaya, uh, there's an Adrian Adams, there's, there's several People that's in here in the mix, and some people are new to the game. So my question is going to be: Are we doing our due diligence not only to to hold Eric Adams accountable, but are we looking at these individuals within the city council who are going to be electing a speaker who's going to be setting the agenda? So I, I you know, mm-hmm. but again, um, and I just want to publicly say, uh, Elliot, thank you, you know. Um, for um, you know the the, the connection with uh, the the uh, the minister and Pinkney out there, and Ben Harbor, you know we were, you know we just want to be grateful for all of the great work that you and Richard do on the show. There's there's a difference between reading the article and then getting the substance of what an individual is about, and and the impact that they're making in, in the particular community. And certainly Reverend Pinkney is definitely that type of gentleman. But I just want y'all to know that I appreciate y'all immensely. Because there's certain things that y'all bring to the table that you're just not going to hear on regular, regular, uh, like you say, tell a, tell a, tell a live vision, you know. Two minds out the window. Yeah, but but I'm I'm gonna shut up and let your brothers, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna get off and, sh- and then listen to you, brothers. Hey, brother Maurice, before you go, because I know that you did a couple of um, uh, episodes on this thing, uh, Sean that Sean brought up about these narratives being thrown out and some of our people take up the fight and is fighting one another. Uh, what, what do you think in reference to what uh, the caller Sean from o- Overland, Ohio has stated? I don't know whether you heard him. Did you hear what he was saying? Yeah, I, I heard him, him talking about this whole idea of black girl magic and the narrative of, of black men and this whole the first thing is, is, is whole when the whole Me Too movement came forward and this whole idea of of um, black men using their power against black women, and I and I, I sat there and I thought for a second and I said, what power do black men have that they're using against black women? Mm-hmm. 
I asked that question in my mind, right? Because how am I impressing you, right? Because I'm not hiring you anywhere, right? I'm not keeping you from getting services or benefits from anything. Let's look at the let's look at who, what male, right? Let's identify the correct male that's oppressing in women, right? <laughs> because to be able to oppress somebody, you have to be able to have some type of power, right? You know, some type of control. What power do black men have? Black men don't even have power over their own bodies, right? We've seen that. We've seen it how many times, every time you turn around, when you, you see an incident that has, has occurred, there's, there's trials that are coming up right now. The trial out in Minnesota with a young man that got shot in the car by that female police officer that's coming up. People forgot about that. There's another trial where this, uh, uh, another uh, black man got shot when he was coming home from bringing some food home, and this guy said he saw a gun and shot him like six times in his back. Yeah, what power do we have, right? Yeah, you had a one but, with the Subway sandwich. You had a sandwich. Yeah, the sub- mm-hmm. exactly. Right. So I, I, this this narrative of um, always trying to find um, the black man is the, 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 the issue is uh, there's nobody. Let me ask this question. This is a better question for sure. Who's on the side of a black man, right? You You have to go out here every day. You wake up, like I tell people, these young people, especially I tell them, when you, you, you is being born, being born black is to wake up as an activist every day. Your struggle is, is, a, is an activist struggle. Your consciousness is an activist consciousness. It should be. For you just to exist in this country, to walk down the street. I just did a show on stopping first because that's one of the things that Eric Adams talked about bringing back to New York City. And I had one of the young brothers on the show talking about it guess what happened to him he went downstairs to get some food and the police stopped him and were harassing him and stuff mm. why he doesn't even know now he's talking about i'm not going downstairs again to get breakfast i don't even want to go outside my building for my job to get anything and i said i said to him brother don't let him take it don't let him take it because the the, the battle is not just for your physical existence but your mental existence in this country, the struggle to win that is important. That's why this whole idea of critical race theory is important because we're reclaiming the narrative about who we were in this country. I mean, give me a break. I mean, we talk about, you you, you talk about uh, Benjamin Franklin, right? Did did anybody question like they, they found in 2013, what did they find like over in his England house or whatever they found like, 1300 bones in the basement of his of of his uh his his mansion or whatever and then they said well they they dismissed it but and then they said well there was people in there experimenting on people and all this stuff like that 1300 bones in the basement right from 15 different people and we don't question anything about that you know what i'm saying you yeah, so that, like that the narrative that, that one got by me express yeah. that a little bit uh memory did you know about that rich richard no first i heard this is in london this is in london where he had a mansion over there and apparently they found all these bones this is smithsonian wrote a whole thing on it where they found all these bones in his basement and i'm saying to myself well they're like well one of his best friends used to uh go out and steal bodies and then they would do experiments on the bodies in the basement but you know of course the first thing i asked myself i'd like to since they know that they did dna testing on on the on the bones and they said it was around the time when, when Franklin was alive. So I'm like, oh, interesting. So does anybody ask a question about what people were being tested on? Yeah. What bodies were being tested yeah. on? What bodies were being robbed from the grave? <laughs> you can almost imagine who they were. Right, but I'm just saying to you that there's this whole idea of 
selective um, information about a person's narrative. Like, you know, um, Bob Dole passed today, right? Uh, people are talking about him and his service to the country and things of that nature. And I believe in giving people at least some respect for, you know, at least for his family degree. But that doesn't, but that doesn't mean that there can be no critical analysis of the person's impact on individuals' lives. He was a staunch supporter of Reagan. Now, what, how, was, how, was, how does that impact us, right, as a people, looking at the, how what Reagan's philosophy has done, uh, you know, trickle-down theory, right? Well, I'm still standing underneath the, the forces, and I ain't got wet yet. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, brother. <laughs> Maurice, thanks for your contribution, man. Okay, thank you, brothers. Peace. <laughs> Richard, he said he's still standing on the false and ain't get with you. Oh, my goodness. Let's go to 302. 302? Hey, what's happening, brothers? How y'all been tonight? Why are you, sir? All right. Um, I had to agree with Sean. Um, I mean, this is we're 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 in a serious serious uh, conundrum, I'll call it. Uh, and I noticed, you know, people have changed their language to appease their oppressors. You know, because I hear a lot of people call in and they'll say something strong, but then they have to, you know, qualify by, well, I'm not against this particular people. You know, I'm just saying I'm for mine. Well, if you're for yours, say that. The heck with the other people. And what he was saying about, like, the women being used against us, well, if we really be honest, the majority of us are sleeping with the enemy. Small, simple things like, you know, making decisions on how to vote, not to vote, whether to fill out a census or how to fill out a census. You know what I mean? We're, we're too, we're too soft. You know, everybody has difficulty just standing up being a man. You know, and we keep doing the same thing over and over. You can go back and listen to a conversation from 70 years ago. It's, it's identical. You know, so I guess, and the reason I agree with Sean, because I'm, I'm just tired of it, you know. Uh, men don't have a place. If you ain't a sissy, you get no respect. You know, e- even the women around you in your life that you think love you, uh, they'll defend a sissy over you. You know, they consider that sissy closer and more to them than you would ever be. But somehow, I don't know when it happened or how it happened, but they hate us. You know, and I'm trying to figure out, like... No, when, when, wait, uh, when you say they, who are you speaking about? Our, our black women. They, for some reason, they hate us. And see, what they don't get is those same... Uh, Freaks that tell them that they don't have to listen to a man and that the, your, your black man is oppressive. You know what they do when they go home? They go back in that house and be obedient to whoever their mate is. 
You know what I'm saying? They raise those kids. They cook every day. They keep their house clean. They're very subservient. But the trick is, in public, they out talking uh, women power. You know, so it's all a trick. It sounds. It sounds like. It sounds like um, what Elliot was just saying about the boys, and I know it's a, a metaphor of this double consciousness, um, based off of what you just said, because you're saying on, uh, uh, you know, the English thing of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. On the outside, they all, what's that, uh, male, that these particular, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I just don't buy that all black women are that. So, but I understand that obviously there's a definitely a segment that has the, whether the media is projecting or what. But then you say that, but when they go in the home, they, you know, and I'm assuming you're, you're in, in the way you characterize it, that they're going in the home to, in some cases, some are going to home with a black male and they're doing what um, traditionally or what we have in our mind that women are supposed to do. So they're operating out of this double consciousness, kind of living a schizophrenic life. Um, is that what you were, that's what you were alluding to? Well, what? yeah, you kind of hit it, hit it on the head because they want this strong man to defend them, provide for them, protect them. But they break him down. They sabotage him at the same time. It's like the woman that says she wants a real man, but she's got on fake eyelashes, makeup, a weave. You know what I'm saying? I, it's, it's almost psychotic. Well, you know what? I, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree that our women hate us. You know, at the beginning of the program, Richard gave some statistics of our people that live in poverty and that are working mm-hmm. poor. And I think, Richard, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, most of the women, black women, fell under that category of working poor, if not poor, right? Right. Now, if we look at our situation, most of the women that are in these communities, they don't hate black men. If you hear most of these women, they want the man at the home They want them there helping raise these boys and girls. They want black men in the family. Now, we know the situation that caused a lot of these men to not be present. And I'm not giving an excuse. That's a reality. But the the theme of I don't need you, uh, this popular thing about a black girl magic, that's not coming from the demographic that Richard was talking about, that most of our women live the reality of. That's coming from the Michelle Obamas, the Oprah Winfrey's, the black women that's making millions of dollars, whether they be entertainers, because most of our people that's making money like that, they're either entertainers or playing sports. That's where that narrative is coming from. It's not coming from my mother, you, the generations of your parents, your wife or your girlfriend. It's not coming from the women that we run into on a daily basis. It's coming from other women. And that narrative is given to those other women of quote unquote means by other people that don't look like them. Exactly. Well, that's all I'm saying. That's why I said I didn't agree with our women hating us. 
I don't think those well, narratives that we hear popularly, because the media got a way of playing all types of narratives up that's degrading black men. So when you hear all these women, black girl magic, we don't need you. We don't. If you look at those women that is coming from, it's not the women that you see every day. It's the women that you don't see. You ain't coming in contact with me. You or me ain't coming in contact with Oprah, Michelle Obama, Serena Williams, and all these other people. We're not coming in contact with them. The women we come in contact with want black men there. They want a black presence in their family. They want a family. So it's a little different. I don't think we can get caught up in these media images of what black women supposedly want. Go, go, what'd you say, Richard? And then I'll go back to the caller. No, I, I, no, I like to hear what he said. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, call. No, I, and I agree. It's not coming from them, but they're acting it out. Like, I, here's the funny thing. I don't have uh, television, and I don't listen to, uh, you know, regular radio. Oh, well, you must but, be related to Richard. But, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on, I'm, go ahead. Go ahead, brother. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but see, and, and what brought me to where I am now is what I see. It's not, it has nothing to do with the media. So even though it's not created and started by these particular young ladies, they're they're acting it out. Yes. So so it's and, and it's gotten so prevalent that I, I, I mean it's everywhere now. The young ones, the old ones, I'm finding it everywhere. It's kind of like um it's almost like fashion, you know, uh, women to see something uh, that they think looks nice or they'll act the way that they think is funny or cute or whatever, and they're acting. But whether they're acting or not, you know what I mean, it, it, it affects us because it, they don't know when to stop acting. Yeah, well, brother, I agree. I, yeah, go ahead, Richard. Don't, don't start me down that little you talk about, I don't know about no black woman magic, but I know the women I'm dealing with. They, uh, you, you got to, you, you know, you got to dance. You, we got to dance, and and we got to dance and, and recognize that we're dancing, maybe dancing at a distance from each other, but we got to figure out how that even with that. And I and and I'm and I understand. I'm not, you know, what what's being projected. I'm not saying uh, there is a change within our community as far as roles, responsibility, but we have to be able to figure out as we're watching this as men, you know, within ourselves, how do we maintain, uh, because clearly the objective of what we're out against, what we have to create for the next generation or the generation after that, what we have to put in place in spite of what's happening now, we have to figure that out. True. You know, now I'll say this last thing and then I'll meet my line. Um, I don't know the title or who put this video out, but they were going around to uh, HBCU. And the question was, would you rather have a guy that works nine to five or a hustler or a con man? It was almost unanimous drug dealer or con man. Oh, yeah. I can see that. And, I, and, 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 I and, and you know, listen, I, I think that our people, uh, and especially younger, they're influenced by not only social media, 
but they're influenced by the the, the uh, instrument that you say that you don't have, that Richard don't have, the television. If you look at a lot of these shows that are coming out directed, and they're not directed at you and Richard necessarily. They're directed at your children and their children. These shows coming out showing images of black men, especially, or black women. Power. Uh, yeah, power. The black. Uh, they got another one. The black, black, black B B W. Whatever that is, all them images like that. That that's that filth. Look at the images that is showing of black men, and then flip the script and look at the images is showing of some of these black women, independent, got high power. They ain't working in no factories and uh, 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 in a hospital and all that stuff. High power jobs, making a lot of money. To, to talking this to we don't need these black men and the men they showing in these these same uh, uh, shows uh, they ain't showing no guys working in no factory or or, or, or doing this or or, or or working for the city throwing trash these guys if they ain't showing somebody that's got an alternative lifestyle is gay they showing guys that's making tons of money that ain't the reality for our people here in this country that's not the reality that's the fantasy hey, hey look they, they, their numbers of the working poor, you know, that, that like, that's, that's the, that's the real number of people who are of men and women who are on the street, you know? And when they, when that number came about 75,000, when you look at the percentage of black folks that make that kind of money, ain't that many. That's exactly. That's, so I, that's just, you know, we, they give us the Oprah. We talk about the million, the billionaires, you know, and all that. But when you get to 75,000, and you look at how many uh, that's making that it ain't that many. So most of black folks that what they with their that survey that you spoke of, the, those young people, that generation, they are so conditioned to a reality that don't exist. That don't exist exactly. And you falling into narratives of people that's not the, that's not how Oprah feels about black man. I could give a t- t- who cares? That woman's a billionaire. She ain't going to come in contact with the average black man on the street, period. I don't care how she feel about black men. And when she went to France, them, that store, that, that clerk who don't make no money showed her what she thought of her. <laughs> she ain't let her through the door. <laughs> Brother, thanks for your contribution. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Call again. Talk to you. Let's go to 267-267. Hey, uh, good evening, Elliot. I want to say good evening, Richard. And man, I enjoyed those uh, last three callers because uh, I sort of see the same thing. But I wouldn't say that the black woman hates the black man. I would say it's self hatred. Period. And uh, and I'm just and like I said, when I speak, I speak on my experience, not the way I want things to be. But when I go out here. And I deal with some of our sisters, not all of them, some of them. When I see the long, crazy-looking eyelashes, when I see those big, hideous wigs on their heads, man, I got to shoot a prayer up every time I see that, man, because uh, that's self-hatred. That's not really – and so if you hate yourself – excuse me, if you hate yourself – then of course you're gonna hate somebody else. And 
a lot of them will try to blame the man. I mean, that that's that, they're going to throw it there. Even though it was their choice to put that garbage on and talk about they're looking for somebody real, you know, um, that's their choice. They And my my thing is, you know, I heard, and it was in a in a movie, and the guy was explaining to him three types of sisters. He said, you have one that's in the education, very educated, but don't have any common sense. He said, you have another one that's just vain, chase after material things, want to be seen, want to be noticed because she lacks self-esteem. He said, that's the majority of them. But if you find a sister that can really honestly look in the mirror and judge her faults and are as spiritual in nature and good nature, man, you grab onto that sister and treat her like gold because that's it. they come few and far between. So, you know, I, I see all that. I mean, I really see all that. And like I said, it's not necessarily that they hate us. They hate themselves. Because anytime you go out there and you spend good money to look like that, somebody has put something in your head to make you think something differently. I remember, and you know, you know, you said our mothers and fathers weren't like that, but I remember I had an aunt when I was like four and five years old when I lived down at Eastern Shore, Merlin. That woman used to get angry at us if we were out in the sun too long. And she would say, I don't want y'all black. And, um, you know, I'm four and five and knew something was wrong with that. Because, I mean, I'm four and five years old and knew something was wrong with that. And how they worship lighter-skinned black folk. So, you know, you know, this thing is ingrained, man. It's really there. It's been there. It's not just this generation. That thing is like a virus that's been in us for a long time. And I'm just not going to blame the sisters. And I wish they stopped blaming us. We got to look at ourselves and recognize when we're right. We got to take accountability and responsibility for our behaviors and our thinking patterns now, because a lot of us are victims of screwed up thinking. And once we realize, and once we get over our arrogance and realize that our thinking is screwed up and we really need to help and go in another direction, there ain't no hope for you. So, you know, um, I'm listening to the conversation. I understand that these kind of conversations are needed. You know, um, yeah, you know, some of our lesser, uh, you know, unconscious folks, yeah, they can be a little swayed by what they see on TV. But most of us look at, if we look at a television program, we see it for what it is. To us, it's not real. But then to somebody, they might see something on TV and say, like, wait a minute, we can do that, too, because they lack consciousness and, you know, and they're easily swayed. But uh, I think it's a good conversation to have Um, that garbage on TV. You know, I'm looking at I'm looking at some of the self-hatred now where you have lesbians all over the place, man. Now, you know, and, and and the thing about. 
I, I, I can't understand. They try to look like dudes. I mean, if you really wanted somebody to look like a dude, get a real dude. You know, and, and, and see, that's part of the self-hatred. And we don't understand that. And when somebody points out to you what it is, their their immediate response is like anger and resentment. And they don't want the truth. So why should I even spit some truth at you when you don't even want it? You know, I don't even waste my time anymore. That's the way you want to live. That's the way you want to look fine. Only until you realize something's wrong with you and you need some help then maybe you'll reach out to somebody that can give it to you. But, man, a lot of our people are arrogant. They're nasty. They're very disrespectful. And, you know, you probably seen it, Elliot. I, I think you one time you told me about an experience in a, in a supermarket where sister treated you some kind of way. It might not have been you, but the sister was treating you some kind of way, looking at you, but was all teeth. At the other people, you know what I mean? So those things, they're there. We can't be in denial about, oh, well, you know, that's that come from TV or that came from Oprah or nothing. Now, these people are wicked. <laughs> they're arrogant. They're nasty. And sometimes you don't even want to be bothered with them. So they're out there. We got to get it in denial about like these people. Ain't not, they're out there. We got some thugs that will walk up in your house and blow your head off for $10. But they won't do that to the other man. So we got we to gotta get our denial about this stuff. We got some people over here that are screwed the F up. You see it in your politicians each and every damn day. You know, you... You, you just talked about how a guy that got voted out of office still meets with president and all of them and come back and tell these black politicians what they can do and what they can't do, and he ain't even in office no more. So, you know, man, look, look, we got to get in de- out of denial. We are spiritually effed up. And until we can admit that, or still want to blame TV and Oprah and all those other goons, Michelle Obama and all that other trash that they flood our people with, that our people worship. Because And only, and like they said, the only reason why a lot of our people loved Obama, because white people liked him. That's the only reason. Because white people accepted him. That's why they wanted to make him a hero and accept him too. We got to get out of denial, brother. So, you know, I agree with those brothers that just got off. Yeah, they hate us because they hate themselves, and it's ingrained in us. And like I said, I don't know if it was a hand of God on me when I was four and five years old being raised by that aunt. You know, may she rest in peace. But, man, some of that stuff that she used to say sent chills up my spine at five. We got to do stuff like the white people do. We got to, and I, I used to look at, I used to look at that like I went to school with them. I'm like, oh, why? At five. <laughs> so, brothers, you know, good program. I'm glad people getting real, keeping it real. We don't have nobody shouting you down like, ah, oh, that's your your opinion, and, you know, and this, that, and, the, and you know what I'm talking about. That's your opinion. I'm going to go eat me some ham. You know, no. And, you know, man, look. I just had to call and say I agree with those brothers. 
We you got to call a spade a spade. We got to stop playing with this thing because we got some silly people out there. And like I said, we got some brothers that will hate you and will come up in your house and blow your head off, your mother's head off for $10. They're out there. Black men and women. It's self-hatred. And we got to deal with that. All right. Thanks for letting me, uh, you know, speak my piece. Thanks for your contribution. Take care now. Let's go to 215. 215? A few minutes we got left. Let's go to 215. Hey, hey, hey Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. How y'all brothers doing tonight? How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Our praise be to Allah. You know, Brother Richard, you mentioned earlier about Ben Franklin. You know, the irony about this devil is the fact that uh, the high school here in Philadelphia, you know, down there by Snake Spring Garden, you know, the high see again, once again, this is because of failed black leadership. Uh, these these this, this, these Negroes who always can constantly, you know, let black people down, as you and Richard well know, Brother Elliot, that high school is to be named after one of our icons, the, the brother that's known around the world as El Haj Malik El Shabazz, you know, known to most people in this country as Malcolm X. That school is probably officially named Malcolm X, but it never did, so it's still named after that slave master who, like Brother Richard said, said that, you know, he don't want America, blacks over here in America, whatever that bum said, you know, whatever, you know. But my point is that, again, because of fell black leadership, that's why that school has not been officially, you know, the, the, the board should be up there. We walk, go down there and look at the school now. It's still got Ben Franklin up there. It should be Malcolm X High School. Because you know that was supposed to be named, be named Malcolm X. Y'all know that, right? Mm-hmm. But it never was because, again, fell black leadership like they always do. See, see these Negroes, I'm telling you, man, they are just a, they, they just a disgrace in this life and the next. And like I keep trying to tell y'all, it's like, I sound like a broken record, but I'm a damn it, I'm going to keep saying it. As long as black folks, out of whether political ignorance or whatever they, or political uh, uh, ignorance or either political, you know, not being aware, whatever words you want to, adjective you want to put there, as long as black folks keep on voting for these individuals on a, on a city, state, or federal level, we'll be having this conversation some years from now. Things will ne- never change because these niggas do not give a damn about black people. They look like us, as the late Cecil B. Moore would say. They're your color, but they damn sure ain't your kind. When you got a guy like Dal Clark, the city council president, he was caught, caught on tape saying about the uh, – about the parking authority, which we know is a, is, is racism, is corrupt as can be, said when they was talking about getting money from the from the from the soda ta- I mean from the uh, parking authority to fix our schools, he was quoted saying, "Hell no, ain't no money going to those schools from no uh, from the, from those from those soda tax. I mean from no parking authority." But he gets right on Terrestrial Radio every week that with that bullshit he be saying. See, he's a Negro, and so he he could care less about black people. He living large while black people his own. Uh, uh, constituents down in North Philadelphia are catching hell, living above the poverty line, and it, and, it's, and the community slowly being, you know, gentrified and stuff. And and, and, and everybody brought the Met Church back because white folks down there. Now the Met would have still been in disarray or probably destroyed by now, were not for gentrification. They didn't bring back the refurbished the Met for the benefit of black folks. They refurbished the Met Church and, and stuff, but for the benefit of the white people. That's why all these white acts. Oh, they don't let some acts come back. X come there. You might see a boys the men or a John Legend there here and there. But for the most part, you're gonna get your Madonnas, you're gonna get your Stings, 
you know, your, uh, your, your um, you know, all, these, all the different white with the Britney Spears. They, they're the ones that gonna be coming to the Mets and stuff for the most. And that's the ones you see down there for the most part. But they know they gotta throw a few blacks acts there here and there. You know, I mean, we been played, man. These people, they, 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 they plan us for stupid, man. Because again, you know, you got these fell black leadership that keep on putting these. Have our people voting for these Negroes who really are doing damage to black people, man. It's, it's a sin and a shame and to, to the creator what, what's going on with our people. Now people are catching that, and then you and Richard Richmond Rec Centers. And it's so ironic, Richard and uh, Ellie, you're mentioning Rec. I live up here in East Germantown. As you know, the Rec Center right up the street from me is the Lonnie Young Center, named after the late great boxer who got killed in a plane crash. That's, that's a disgrace. Now you got Cindy Bash represent this area. You got. Um, the, the the other Negro, uh, 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 Dwight Evans, to be you know, to represent this area when he was the uh, the, the state rep and everything like that. And, and look up that rec center. I worked five years from 2016 to 2020, Ellen Rich. I worked there on the political council. I was a minority inspector. I was working the polls for five years. And and then nothing has changed, Ellen, with all this black, or without a predominantly black city council, a black council president. You go into that rec center, it's a disgrace. Like you said, Ali, to Richard Earl and to the audience, you can't even use the toilet. You go in there, man, the toilet's over, always overflowing. It has got so bad, Elliot, and this is the honest to God truth, that the men's role was so bad when we worked the polls, we had to use both the, the men and women had to use the book, the ladies' room and stuff because the men's room was totally unworthy of using if you get my drift. So we had to use, so we had to shit, so 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 we had to use the ladies' room and stuff. To, and we had to, you know, go to the bathroom. I mean, that's a disgrace. It's no toilet paper. The water fountain. Forget about that. Rusty water comes out the water fountain. <laughs> I mean, you know, and and and, and, and we worked the polls during the um, winter time when it was like during the general election, November, when it was pretty much cold weather. Ellen, I we, know it was cold in there. Right, it felt like an ice box in there. We had to get a we're there to bring us a portable heater in there to keep us warm. I mean, that's a disgrace. With black representation repping in this area, it's a disgrace, man. And like you said, like, forget about the football field. They got the little uh, pop water team, the Raiders play over there. Football field in total disarray. Dog uh, poop all over the place. Uh, the, uh, the, you, you, it don't even look like a football field. Don't have no lines. Like you go to the white neighborhood, you see the the the, the, the yard lines and stuff like that. Would look like a field. Don't even look like a football. So don't they have don't they have two goalposts up there? I don't know how those kids be practicing the football over there. I guess they do what they do the best they can at the circumstance. And the baseball diamond, which is right on the other side of the football field, same thing. Disgrace. You, you don't look like a, a baseball diamond. No third. No, you can't even see no bases. All grass has covered the whole infield. You know what I'm saying, Ellen Richard? I mean, just it's just a disgrace, man. Then the in basketball court, right by the swimming pool, same thing. You get the basketball court look a little better and stuff, but sometimes, most of the time, they don't have nets on the court. They get nets up there every now and then in the swimming pool that's right next to the basketball court, right up right, right up the street from me. Forget about that. Broken glass all in the swimming pool. I mean, it's just oh man, I I, I be on and going on and on. And again, this is why you got all these Negroes in the office representing, probably representing the black community, and they let that they let that representative go they go into total disarray, man. It's a disgrace. Now I heard you make your talk about Gregory Holston talking about something. We're not going to rest, but like Richard said, he should be demanding that 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 these 
effects and it be fixed up. Not no, we we gonna keep on raising noise and all that, man. man no, no, make make demands on these people, man. Because we we pay taxes like white folks pay tax. And the fact that Brexit is right now and these black communities are look, looking total disarray. But like you said, Elliot, you go to the gentrified communities, it's a totally different ball game, man. Look, like I said, baseball fields, football fields, basketball courts are like like it's professional baseball diamond, professional football field, professional looking basketball court with fiberglass courts, everything nets and everything, man. I mean, how how long, Ellie and Richard, are we gonna continue to be chumps for the? I mean, the like I said, we 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 accept the most mediocre. It's not even mediocre; it's just disgraceful. We just keep on keep on accepting this stuff, man. While white folks still living large, you know, the, the the average white family got a, a ten thousand, twelve thousand, whatever medium wealth for the average black family and stuff. With all these Negroes in office on the city, state, and federal level, yet we still lagging behind white folks. And when it when it comes to wealth building. Face man, it's really a sad. And then, and all these niggas can tell us about how bad Donald Trump is. I don't like you heard about that devil. Well, how bad? Which how bad is y'all? Y'all the ones that ain't, ain't, ain't pushing. Like I said, and I close with these last couple of comments. I know you getting pressed for time. Like I said, a lot of black folks got upset uh, when 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 the, when the boy down in Maryland. Um, uh, Elijah Cummings, when Donald Trump said, you, you've been in office all these years, you've been in all these financial committees in your neighborhood in Baltimore where you grew up and looked like a hellhole, black people jumped on Trump and called him a racist. All throughout the United States, black politicians, black people, oh, he's a racist and stuff. We all know Trump a bigot. So, so, what, what else is new? But, what the, but look at what he said about Elijah Cummings. It's the truth what he said. That man had, had every opportunity when he was in office to make a difference in this damn community. He didn't do a damn thing. And, and Trump called him out for that, man. Man, I'm like saying, come on, man. I don't care. We all know Trump ain't said it because he cared about Blake. He cared less. But the point, because it come out the mouth of a racist liar or a bigot, don't mean it ain't the truth. Like if a bigot told me a rattlesnake was behind me and I heard a snake hissing, I'd be a damn fool to walk up to him and snake because I'd say, well, well I'm not going to pay attention because a bigot said it and get bit by the damn snake. I mean, because it come out a bigot's mouth, don't mean it's no, it's no, no, no less of the truth. You know what I mean? And the man didn't do the damn thing. I mean, he had all that time. He was in all these committees. Like Trump said, he could have made a, 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 a big difference. In, the, in this community in Baltimore, he didn't do nothing. But yeah, but, but here's the deal, Ellen Richard. He happened to be friends. See, that's how these Negroes class for stupid. During the time he was in office, he, one of his best buddies was Mark Meadows, the old racist white bigot who got caught on tape making a, a, a racial slur. That was that was Elijah Cummings' good friend. And as you know, Mark Meadows became Donald Trump's uh, chief of staff. You know that, right, Elliot? <laughs> yeah. Mark Meadows. Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, telling you the truth. That was his chief of staff. But that was that was Elijah Cummings' uh, a buddy. And matter of fact, he spoke. He, I think he did the eulogy at Elijah Cummings' funeral, if I remember correctly. If he didn't do the eulogy, he sure had a lot to say at his funeral. I, that much I do know. So, I mean, come on with this now. How these people play for stupid, man? You're going to sit there and tell me how bad Trump is and this and that. And, but yet you friends with, with his old racist. you friends with, 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 with his, his biggest friend who became his chief of staff. Come on with the foolishness, man. We we got to stop this, man, with these people. These people, are, they black only and skin color only. The, the average black politician, and I'm just going to close with these last to them, and I, and I promise I'm done. If we're going to be honest and brutally honest, the average black politician in this country is up for a few, and it's a very small few because if it was, if it was more, then our people would, would, be, would, would be in the condition we're in now. All them Negroes ha- want, want to do is have a nice, cushy job where they'd be in office for a certain amount of years where they could build up their pension. 
build up their income and take care of their families and their cronies, get their cronies patronized jobs and live in nice homes and have big bank accounts, drive in nice cars, while the masses of our people like Minister Farrakhan still on the, on the clip that y'all play. Go 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 first steadily down, go steadily down and down. Why them niggas living large while people out here catching hell. And that's Mr. the big that's the majority's black politicians on the city, state and federal level. They talk black, but they could give a damn about the plight of black people. As long as they get theirs, the hell with everybody else and stuff. Man, I mean, it's, it's it's sad how people keep being played. So we so we so so you see going in the midterms, you go be up to the midterms. You go hear all the rhetoric, and I think Brother Maurice kind of talked about it from New York. Oh, you got to make sure the Republicans don't take back the House and the Senate, this and that. Uh, but damn, the Democrats got you, they got the House and the Senate now, and you got you got the two white bigots up there, you know, showing just their racism, and it, and it all goes back up to what you play with Brother Marcus. You got Joe Manchin. And Kristen Sinema, two Democrats, but yet, like like uh, Malcolm correctly said, fifty something, sixty something years ago, what what are they doing? They are not. They not. They going beyond a party. He said. He said part conservatives and liberals from both parties. Cause that, and that's the game they play on black people. You got shocking as everybody sounding some black people. You got conservatives and Republicans from. So called, if you will, from both parties, they 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 they're war with each other. So you got Kristen Sinema and, and Joe Manchin, two so, two so called Democrats and stuff, but yet they conservatives. They 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 fighting against their own party's interests. The progressives in the party fighting against them, you know, putting meaningful stuff out for working class people. Then on the Republican side, you got a so called liberal and a Republican side like Mitt Romney. So these so it's like Malcolm said, it's not about so much Democratic Republican. It's the liberal conservatives within that party that 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 and stuff. So we. I mean, we just get, we just getting played out of position. Many people playing games with us. And lastly, Elliot, Brother X, and I and I say this, I'm gone. Brother X was on a terrestrial radio station in Philadelphia earlier today, and he made a good point, Elliot. And, and that's this is important, Elliot, for, for you and Richard and the, and the time for we can listen to all this, because Dr. Mecca was saying about how do we, he asked Brother X, do he think that do we consider the victory that those three devils was convicted in killing our dear brother Armar Arbery? And and um. And Brother X said, well, not really, he said, because he said, I'm glad they was convicted. He said, but it wasn't no, it's like small potatoes. So, so Dr. Mecca said, what you mean small potatoes, Brother X? He said, because first of all, we don't even know, if, we don't even know if them devils going to jail. So, 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 so Dr. Mecca said, well, you know, you know they're going to jail. He said, well, he said, he said, he said, he said, Dr. Mecca, how do we really know that these white folks go to jail? And how many times Brother <laughs> has made you say this now private conversations? He, he pointed out about the white boy, remember when, when the brother got dragged from the truck? By them biggest down in uh, Texas, uh, what's the brother's name? In Jasper, Texas. James Bird. What's the name of it? James Bird. James Bird, yeah. When Brother Bird got dragged by them biggest, well, they said they executed one of them guys. They did it, or two of the guys, whatever the case may be. Brother X made again. Brother X made a good point. He said, "Doctor Mecca, how do we really know that they uh, that they executed on white boys?" He said, "They can tell us anything." He said, "We don't have no black reporters that's following this stuff up, getting the truth." He said, they "Could have let them white boys go after they after they said they executed." We don't understand unless you unless you have black reporters down there and seeing the execution. How do we know? He said, "Say and, and Brother X pointed out other good points." He said, "Same with these other white boys. They, they, they that white cop that shot the brother down in uh 
Oh, in the back, Dr. Scott, they say he in jail. How we know he in jail? We don't know that. And I know the average black person say, oh, y'all just talking crazy. Of course, those white people in jail. But when you really stop and think about it and, and, and take emotion aside and stop falling for okay, broken, let's look at it realistically. How can we trust these Europeans that we believe? Unless, like, unless we have an investigative, a, a black investigative reporter, how we know these white folks are in jail? Or, or how we know those white boys got executed and killed James Brown? We don't really know that. We we hope that's what happened. But for sure, we have we want to be honest with ourselves and, and put rhetoric away, Elliot. How do we really know? You know what I'm saying, brother Elliot? How yeah. do we really know? You know, you, 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 them devils can tell black people anything. You know, how we really know? I mean, these are, and these are things, that, and lastly, that our black leadership, see, it should be me, you, and Richard, and brother X, the foreigners, Natty. We got black elected officials. They should be fighting hard to make sure that you, that you can put in place some kind of black investigative reporter to make sure when these white bigots are convicted, whether they're convicted to get life in prison or get death, that they get just what they're supposed to get instead of just taking a white man's word for it. How the hell are you going to take a white man's word when he's an art like that? Like the honorable Elijah Muhammad say, he is the ox deceiver. You're just going to take his word for it. And so the white boys say he's in jail or he's like executed. Are we just supposed to believe that, right? Come on, man. Please. Well, next, Ali. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm invented enough, Ali. Thanks for, for, for letting me talk. And I'll you know, put my brother out. I'll listen to the rest of the show, good brothers. And Ali, lastly, uh, God bless Jane, Lee Elder. I'll be remiss if I didn't make the pastor Lee Elder. You know, well for Lee Elder, who was the first black man to play the master, you would have never had Tiger Woods and stuff. So, so homage, pay homage to Lee Elder because he, he made transition the other day. Just want to get that in. Yeah, okay. Thanks, brother. Peace. Okay, bro. Mm-hmm. Richard, let's get this one more on and uh, we'll, uh, call it call it a night. Let's go to uh, 469. 469? I don't know what to say after all of that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got it in. Man, look, you, you all got some hot stuff today. You look, look, you know, until we get some of these people out of the way who are supposed to be our leaders and supposed to be providing images, you know, we're not, we're not uh, going anywhere, but we are, we're going to go somewhere because, that time is going to come to where, you know, it's, it's people going, our own people are going to get tired of it. But it's amazing. Just remember, you remember when the Williams sisters were coming up, and I have to, and, and I'm going to have to include old brother Richard in it now. Mm-hmm. Remember how they dogged them out for wearing beads and so forth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They get up, go through all of this stuff. And then they end up marrying Bob. And I understand that Richard has a Becky now. I mean, you get dogged out and you end up going over it. And now when you listen to them talk, you, you, if, if they, if you didn't see their face, you wouldn't even know they're one of us. Mm. You know, I mean, we have, you know, we are the most forgiven people except when it comes to ourselves. We can't, we don't forget ourselves. I don't like that Negro. He stepped on my, he stepped on my toes when I was in the third grade. I can't stand it. But come in the church, shoot everybody down except for one person. Say, look, I want you to tell these people what I did. And what do they say? We gonna pray for. <laughs> what a sick people. 
Hey, nobody in the in, on, in the on the face of the earth think like that except us. And it's not even us. You, you remember that that program, and I'll say this and get off the invasion of the body snatchers. Mm-hmm. A lot of these programs they show you, and you don't think about it, but they're actually sending you a message. That's exactly what we are. We have been invaded. Our, we, our bodies, we have black bodies, but our minds are not black. Mm-hmm. You have been invaded by the body snatchers. And until we can exercise that from our systems, we're not going anywhere. But again, we are going to go somewhere because people are getting tired of it. You're not going to see it on the regular television. But when I listen to Time for an Awakening and call Nelson and some of the other shows, I know that we have people out here who are doing the work and who have a different mindset. So I'm going to get off and let you all wind it up. And uh, Richard, did you, uh, Richard, did you, did you watch my video of the Tulsa? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. Good. Again, I, I thank you, brothers. You all, you all bring a wealth of information, and 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 really, you keep people like myself sane because I know some other folk are out here actually doing something. If it wasn't for people like you all, you know, I think that a lot of us would really go totally insane. So thank you so much for you all doing what you do. Don't do that, brother. No, no, I'm I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go insane. Uh, <laughs> I know I know we're gonna I know we're gonna win. Exactly. And I know that I know that we're not as far away from it as what we think. And I will say this because I want to end on a positive note. And this is what I always tell people when they tell me, oh, we're not going to do this and we're not going to do that. And I have to be a cheerleader and continue to try to cheer these people on. I say, look, a lot of this, we're going to make it. And some of it we're going to see before we leave here. Oh, we're not going to. I say, you never thought you would see a black president, but you got one. Now, he didn't do anything for us. And they argue with me about that because of the Republicans, they want to put everything on the Republicans. I say, but he didn't do anything for us, but the fact remains, we got one. So if we, if, you know, we were able to get one, you know, we're, we're able to do, they're fighting us very, very hard. Whenever we try, whenever we begin to move up and make some headway, they come up with a program to, Stifleless. That's telling you that we're doing something right. So anyway, again, thank you all so much, and uh, you all have a great week. Talk to you soon, mm-hmm. brother. Richard, uh, yes, come up to the end of another program. Interesting dialogue tonight. A lot of people involved, a lot of uh, different topics, man. It was it was great. I think Sean started it off, and we continued rolling from there. Very good. 
before we leave tonight, just want to give the lineup on uh, Time for an Awakening Media, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., African Perspectives with Brother Hoshi. Always interesting guests and topics on African Perspectives. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Later on, Monday evening from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Maria Kambon and Dr. Kamal Kambon. And then the first and third Monday of every month from 9 to 10, Conversation Reparations, which is in Cobra's program, uh, host by Brother Jim Moke. Uh On Tuesday from 8 to 10, Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. That's from 8 to 10 on t- uh, p.m. on Time for an Awakening Media. On Wednesday, it's our time to Black uh, the Black Farmers Program, the West Georgia Cooperative, that's 8 to 9. And from 9 to 10, from Laytonville, Trinidad, Black Agenda Project with host Dr. David uh, Muhammad. On Friday's Time for an Awakening is back from 8 until. And Saturday from 7 to 9, the Elders of Sankofa with Brother Alfonso Watkins. And then Time for an Awakening is back on Sunday from 7 until. I'm going to think, oh, you know, next week, uh, Richard, um, uh, the male and female co-chair of the in, in Cobra chapter, he'll be uh guest or scheduled to be guest. Yes, yes. I think it'll be interesting dialogue hearing from yeah. uh, Brother Rashawn and, and uh, brother and sister Brian, Brianna, uh, the male and female co-chair here. They had a, a spirited meeting that you attended over the weekend, Richard. Uh, yes. And it'll be interesting hearing coming from them. They're passing the torch, uh, Brother Osasi, Brother Ari, Pass the torch, and uh, you know what? I always forget the sister's name. You know her. That was the co- f- female co-chair. Um, in fact, she was at the meeting also. Right. Um, you pass the torch over to them, and they're uh, and the, the torch is in their hand now. So it'll be good to hear from them, hear their perspectives, uh, what they want to try to accomplish. It'll be interesting dialogue next week. We're looking forward to the conversation. Great. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, Children playing after school. They seem to be so unaware. Oh, I know, I know the things that they'll soon have to take care of.
Children. To save the children. 